Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because because they they anchor us in something something which can can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching the scripture second scripture reading is from proverbs 31 Verses 10 through 31. You ready? Take a deep breath. Who can find a truly excellent woman? One who is superior in all that she is and all that she does. Her worth far exceeds that of rubies and expensive jewelry. She inspires trust and her husband's heart is safe with her. And because of her, he has every good thing. Every day of her life, she does what is best for him. Never anything harmful or hurtful. Delight attends her work and guides her fingers as she selects the finest wool and flax for spinning. She moves through the merchant or through the market like merchant ships that dock here and there in distant ports. Finally, arriving home with food she's carried from afar. She rises from bed early in the still of night, carefully preparing food for her family and providing a portion to her servants. She has a plan. She considers some land and buys it. Then with her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She wraps herself in strength, carries herself with confidence, and works hard, strengthening her arms for the task at hand. She tastes success and knows it is good. And under lamplight, she works deep into the night. Her hands skillfully place the unspun flax and wool on the dye staff, and her fingers twist the spindle until thread forms. She reaches out to the poor and extends mercy to those in need. She is not worried about the cold or snow for her family, for she has clothed them all in warm, crimson coats. She makes her own bed linens and clothes herself in purple and fine cloth. Everyone recognizes her husband in the public square, and no one fails to recognize him as he takes his place of leadership in the community. She makes linen garments and sells them in the market, and she supplies belts for tradesmen to carry across the sea. Clothed in strength and dignity, with nothing to fear, she smiles when she thinks about the future. She conducts her conversations with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is ever her concern. She directs the activities of her household, and never does she indulge in laziness. Her children rise up and bless her, her husband too, joins in the praise, saying, There are some, indeed, many women who do well in every way, but of all of them, only you are truly excellent. Charm can be deceptive, and physical beauty will not last, but a woman who reveres the eternal should be praised above all others. Celebrate all she has achieved. Let all her accomplishments publicly praise her. 
the word of the Lord. Really? <laughs> Seriously? Thank you, Enoch. Um, I was going to move this out just a little bit. Whoa! Okay. I want to get a little closer to people. <laughs> so fun to see everybody. Um, I, first of all, we're going to start with an all play. Is that me? Am I a little loud? Can we take me down just a little bit? Thank you. First, I'll play. What do you feel after hearing that portion of scripture read? Gross. Exhausted. Physically terrible. I just feel it in my bones. I love that, Cassandra. I definitely indulge in laziness. And I, as a confession, and I have a witness, I mean, I've, I have a husband who will bear witness, I do cause my husband harm at times. Really sorry. Thanks, babe. So I, that, here's the thing that I, when I first started looking at this and I saw this passage, I told a dear friend, I said, I mentioned that I was preaching, and I said, I don't like any of the passages. And the comment they made, well, this will be fun. And then I ended up, I, we just got back from visiting. I have a new grandbaby. And got to spend the first month of her life with her, which could make me cry if I think about it, so I'm not going to. But um, it was so, I was jet lagged when I came back. And so I don't know if it was jet lag or God speaking to me in the middle of the night. But during the middle of the night, I had this little whisper in my soul that said, could you look at Proverbs 31? And I remember thinking, oh, shoot. And then I did in the middle of the night, because you have your phone and you can have access to anything. And I started to read it and I started to get sick to my stomach. I was like, I, there's no way I'm preaching on Proverbs 31. So I thought, well, you do what everybody else does. Let's go look, see if there's a podcast out there. So I went and looked to see if there's a podcast on Proverbs 31 and I found 14. And every single one of them that I looked at, the titles were about how to be a better Proverbs 31, how to do everything that was in this verse. And I just got sick to my stomach. So I pulled out one of my favorite poems, and I thought I'd start with reading this. Now bear with me. It's one I use with my children a lot. I'm Captain Conniption, the scourge of the sea. No pirate alive is as fearsome as me. I'm ten times as tough as the skin of a whale. The sharks cringe in terror wherever I sail. I'm Captain Conniption, the bane of the fleet. I don't wash my face, and I don't wash my feet. I wear a black flag, and I fly. I wear a black hat, and I fly a black flag. I'm as bad as can be though I don't like to brag. When I'm on the deck with the cutlass in hand, the saltiest sailors start sailing for land. They know I'm the nastiest nautical knave, and bold as a brigand is bound to behave. I'm Captain Conniption, and up to no good, you'll soon walk the plank if I think that you should. 
I'd show you right now how I vanquish the foe. But I hear my mother, so I have to go. <laughs> so I want you to notice, what did you feel as I read that poem? Ooh, Ted Lasso. I so want to bring Ted Lasso into this. We are going to channel Ted Lasso today. If you don't know who that is, I'm really sorry. So channeling Roy Kent. What did you feel? What images showed up for you? Fantastical. Fearless. Rebellion. Fun, but trying a little too hard. I am listening to, I just, um, whoever's on Zoom, I want you to know I'm reading your thoughts, your spit, your words also. Anything else? Freedom. Power. Okay. Here at the core, one of the things, when I first started looking at Proverbs 31, and there is a correlation between Captain Conniption and Proverbs 31. That's what I'm going to tie together today. If you're not interested in that, you can leave now. But um, the reality is, is Proverbs 31 is a poem. It was written, and it's at the end of Proverbs. Does anybody know what Proverbs actually means? I have to keep checking to see if anybody online does. A Proverbs, is, a Proverbs is just, it's an imparting of wisdom. Do we know who wrote Proverbs? That's an all play. No, we don't. Well, Solomon, King Solomon is the one who was attributed to writing Proverbs. And so we, and we honestly, most of it we think he did. We really don't know who wrote Proverbs 31. It was King Lemuel, which we don't know who King Lemuel is. There's no other reference to, in, to him in all of history. We don't know who wrote Proverbs 31. There is speculation that um, Solomon wrote it and that he wrote it from the words that his mother gave him about... I mean, that's what it says in the very beginning. King Lemuel is writing this with his mother's words ringing in his ears. And what he's writing about is about women. Now, I don't, we don't know who wrote it, so I'm, that's all speculation, I want to say. So let's just put that aside, and let's come back to Captain Conniption and Proverbs 31. When a poem is written, what is a poem trying to do? It's trying to elicit imagery. It's trying to gather up and bring the reader from here into something else. Now... I want to go back to what we felt when we first read, when um, Enoch first read this chapter or portion of this chapter. We all felt strange things in our body. We felt gross. We felt it was like overwhelmed, exhausted, all those things. And here I want to make a statement. Anytime scripture is used to wound, create division, create pain, or damage, or try and power over someone, especially, I want to say, someone on a margin, which women in that culture were on a margin, I want to say it's 
we need to get curious and we need to stand up and rise up. Maybe there's something more we need to look at. Scripture was never intended to harm. Now, has it done harm? It's done a lot of harm. It's continuing to do a lot of harm. And that's why I think it's so important that we look at and recognize when something rises up. That middle of the night moment for me was actually an invitation. It disrupted something in me. Disruption is not bad. But disruption invites us into something. Uh, several weeks ago, I, I ended up, I didn't get to be here much this summer. We were gone quite a bit. And so during my jet lag, too, the other thing I did is I caught up on everybody's sermon. And, oh, my gosh, we've had so many great speakers over the summer. I just thanks Steve, for what you lined up for us. It was so wonderful. But I was, a couple of weeks ago, I listened to Betsy's, and she was talking about embodiment and how important embodiment is. So when we engage with Scripture, one of the things that I think is most important is we engage with what registers in us in an embodied way. Like what, like what moves us? What stimulates conversation? What invites us into wondering? And I think this embodiment of Proverbs 31 has done so much damage that unless we actually pause and notice that, we'll keep skipping over it. Because I think one of the deepest desires for all of us is to heal. And I don't know how we can heal, and Will said it this morning, I don't know how we can heal unless we pause and notice it. Where is our pain? And I think there's a lot of pain women have been subjected to because of this chapter. But I want to say it hasn't always been like that. What's interesting about Proverbs 31 is it's an acrostic poem. And like I've um, asked Ben if I could use his name this morning. And an acrostic is basically where if you list all the letters on one side and then you kind of define something out. So Ben, B-E-N. So for the B, I start, my husband and I this morning were talking about, like, what do we know about Ben? He's bold. Ben is bold. That's the B. The E, Ben is encouraging. He likes to encourage people. And N, if you're ever around Ben, he wants to be near you. So I've just used an acrostic of Ben's name to help describe him. So Proverbs 31 is an acrostic poem. And so what it's doing, it takes the one letter, it's all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order to describe what's said here is woman. Now, who do you think the audience is that this book was written, this chapter was written for? That's an all play. Like aristocrats? Upper income level? Yeah, okay, so the people, okay. Yeah, that's good, okay. Anybody else? Who was it written for? 
men who would be the upper echelon. In that culture, you, who could read? The guys could? That's right. So this book was, this chapter was actually written for with the main audience was for men. Now, here again I want to go back to, if it's a poem, and I, can I get this, it's popping just a little bit. How do I do? It's driving me nuts. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to let it bother me, but it is bothering me. What's that? Oh, that's so much better. I can just automatically, okay, my shoulders are going down. Okay, thank you. Um, now I forgot where I was at. Okay, if it's written for men, and it's written for those that are upper echelon, they have a little bit more affluence, um, what might it be trying to invite men into in the culture that it was written in? I love that, Kristen. Maybe appreciating all that women are contributing. Anything else? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. You can just yell it out. Oh my gosh, I wish I had a microphone on you when you were talking. Uh, that was absolutely brilliant. Yes, we, you, said, you said you saw it two ways. So basically, I'm going to recap what you said. It's either about a woman or it's about women and how women are. And one of the things that I think is so important and vital about that is if it's using, let's go back to the, the uh, acrostic. Acrostic, am I saying that right? Acrostic, yeah, okay, acrostic. If, if it's an acrostic, it's using all of the letters from the Hebrew... Um, scripture, not all the letters from the Hebrew alphabet, I'm sorry, to um, make a point. And what it's gathering is it's like putting one after another in order to invite us to see, and I love, Christian, use this word too, women. But I want to go one step further. And I want to say, because this is, if Proverbs is the book that is about wisdom, at the core, that's what all the chapters are talking about. And wisdom is referred to as she throughout the scriptures. What if this book was written about showing the wholeness of what it means to be man and woman? Could it be bigger than just this is what a wife is? Could it be bigger than just this is what a woman is? Could it be this is what humanity is? And this is how I see humanity because we all have space. And when Allie's sermon this morning that she talked about the children coming to us, at what point does this little girl no longer carry, or this little boy no longer carry the fullness of goodness of being absolutely Jesus' delight that he draws in? I don't think... We have to fear that which makes us uncomfortable in Scripture. But I do think 
We need to look with different eyes and perspective. We need to notice what perspective we're looking from. We need to notice those wounds. We need to notice that pain. We need to actually not run from it. We need to get curious about it. And I think hold it in community. We can name that. And when we name what has actually wounded us, what is actually confusing to us, what is hard for us, what is something that is like beyond my understanding, culturally or whatever, what's, when we name that, then we get to move into what I think is so deeply important. We get to nurture life. And sometimes nurturing life involves us having to let go of some of the things we no longer need. And I wonder what part of Proverbs 31 we could actually hang on to as something good. Now, Rachel Held Evans, who is very near and dear to this community's life, um, we, we all, I mean, I think all of us can say that we just love, I, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I really love Rachel Held Evans' writings. <laughs> I really do. And one of the things that she did, and I looked it up this week, somebody pointed it out to me, is Proverbs 31 doesn't mean what we think it means. But Proverbs 31 for years has been taught from one perspective, in the, I want to say in the Western Christian Church. When I asked, I emailed a friend of mine who lives overseas and is very involved in um, more of the Jewish traditions and things like that. And I just asked one line, can you tell me what Proverbs 31 means to you? She goes, oh, it's my beautiful celebration of how diverse women are. I was like, what? <laughs> and it got me thinking this week, and I started thinking of some of my friendships and friend groups, and one of the things I realized was, I wonder if Proverbs 31 has been part of what has pitted competition in our culture, woman to woman, man to man, maybe not as much man to man, but woman to woman. And the pain that I see from that is rippling and robbing us from being able to live in a celebratory way for who women are, for how women live, for strengths, for difference. And you know what? I am a little ticked, no, I'm a lot ticked, that we don't have more celebration of the diversity of how we've been created. I have a friend that I mentioned to about, I don't know, two months ago, I said, I think I want to try being a vegetarian. I don't know the first thing about being a vegetarian, to be really honest with you, other than you just cut all meat out. So that was not helpful. 
But she has so faithfully researched, fed me, encouraged me, taught me more. And I celebrate her gift. I celebrate who she is, and I get to learn from her. I have a friend who is, can take anything, anything, and make it into something different. Yarn, wool, whatever. I mean, she really can flax, and I mean, she sits at a loom. She does that. And you know what? When I watch her hands on that loom, I have no interest, one, in doing it. I would destroy it. But it is like watching artistry. I have a friend who runs a major company here in town. She's the CFO. She is a master at what she does. She is so good at what she does. And she is accomplished, and she, people listen to her. She walks in a room, and she commands the room in such a beautiful way. She couldn't find her way around a washing machine if it jumped in front of her. That's okay. That's not her gift. But her gift is needed in this world. I think one of the things that is important to remember is this scripture was meant to be liberating. It was meant to be holding women in a, value, in a place of value and honor. And I think it was fear. It has to be at the core that ultimately made it oppressive. It doesn't have to be an oppressive verse, chapter. So for women, I think we have to recognize that there are certain things we have to let go of. One, we have to let go of thinking that we are on the edge. Genesis says that man and women were created in the image of God to bear the image of God. And I wonder if you were to write an acrostic poem with your own name, what you would come up with that would be directly reflective of your creator. And I wonder, in some ways, if this wouldn't even take us into where in Matthew, where it says, love thy neighbor as you love yourself. What if we began loving ourselves in deeper ways? Because then we would have more depth of love to love others.
We begin to heal when we notice our pain. We begin to heal further when we can name that pain. And we become healers when we learn how to nurture life. So I'm wondering right now, a little risky, but I'm wondering if we could take a moment and go back and remember what we felt when, that, when Enoch read those verses, we can remember that. And is there anybody here that might want to leave some of that? Notice it. We can name it. And we might want to step over and say, I want to start letting go of that. So, I'm going to ask you to join me for just a moment in just noticing where we're at. And you can, if you want, you can put your hand on your heart. And I want you to notice, is there some part of Proverbs 31 that has marked you, wounded you, If so, let's just make space for it. Hold it there. Let's name that wound for what it is. It's a wound. It hurts. There is pain. And I want to speak these words over you. You are made in the image of God. And you are breathtaking. You are made in the image of God. And there was no one else like you. You are made in the image of God. And it is enough. You are made in the image of God, and you have fruit of goodness, of love within you. You are made in the image of God, and there's not one thing God would change about you. Because at the core, God is crazy about you. And you are a delight to this world. Everybody take a deep breath in. And let it out. And we're going to take, we're going to read, I forgot what they're called. Prayers of compassion, <laughs> yes. 
It's been so long since I've been back here. I forgot to introduce myself at the beginning too. I'm so sorry. I'm Becky Patton and I'm just a member here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was so arrogant of me to not even to step in, but I, I am Becky Patton. I am a member of Genesis and I am a part of the teaching team here. So anyway, you know, grace, peace, it, it works. Okay. I will do the leader part, and if you guys would do the all part with me, join with me, all you beautiful human beings. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if we have bitter envy and selfish ambition in our hearts, we must not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. Where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those of us who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? We want something and do not have it, so we commit murder. And we covet something and cannot obtain it, so we engage in disputes and conflicts we do not have because we do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. We submit ourselves therefore to God. We will resist the devil and he will flee from us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Friends, Believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Join us in 60 seconds of silence, and then Steve will lead us in the Eucharist. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.